Hello, homemakers, and welcome to the Art of Home podcast, where we are exploring how homemakers cultivate a place to belong. I'm your host, Allison Weeks. I am a wife, a mom to four grown kids, a granny to one baby boy, and I have been practicing the art of home for 31 years now. Well, welcome to the halfway point of this season. This is season 16 plus. It's the plus because we normally do six episodes per season, but this time you're getting eight episodes. That's because uh, I had a great response to you all when I opened up applications for guests, uh, for listeners to be guests of the show, and I wanted to accommodate as many of you as possible. So we will be going right up until the day before Thanksgiving with this season. And then right after Thanksgiving, that next Wednesday, we will start our third annual holiday homemaking series. And if you are already in the holiday mood and you want to get a jump start with some ideas, make sure that you go back and listen to Holiday Homemaking 2021 and 2022, as both of those are filled with fabulous recipes and ideas and inspiration for your holiday plans and celebrations as you keep your home throughout the holidays this year. If you're new here, I'm so glad that you found us. Thank you for tuning in today. Thank you to all our regular listeners for tuning in, for sharing, and for commenting and lending your support and sending emails. It really means a lot to me to know that this podcast is making a difference in your everyday homemaking life. If you're already signed up for the newsletter, hooray! I hope it is an encouragement to you on Friday mornings when you're finishing up your homemaking week and headed into the weekend. If you have not signed up for the newsletter yet, what are you waiting for? This is a free publication. It comes out every Friday morning during our regular seasons. It is the only place where you're going to get detailed show notes from each of our guests, and that includes any resources that they share and recipes that they share. So you want to make sure that you're signed up for that. Just go to theartofhomepodcast.com slash subscribe. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to another listener, Michelle Marshall. And Michelle is a mom of three. She just had a baby not too long ago. She was expecting her third baby when we did this interview earlier this fall. And she is not only a caretaker of children in her home, but she is a caretaker of horses. She and her husband met through horses. Uh, They have a horse training business that they run on their property. And so we spent some time talking in this interview about the differences and the similarities between training horses and training children. And that's a really interesting conversation. But aside from that, Michelle has a lot to offer. She's got some great ideas, some great insight. She candidly shares some of the things that she struggled with, um, some of the things that the Lord has been teaching her as she's on this journey as an in-the-trenches homemaking mama. So whatever you are applying your hands to as you listen today, I know you will enjoy Michelle's story of home. Welcome to the Art of Home. I am here with my new friend, Michelle Marshall. She is an in-the-trenches homemaker, and we're going to hear all about her story of home. Uh, Before we go back to the beginning of your story, Michelle, why don't you just introduce yourself to the audience? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, who are you today? What are your hobbies? What What do you fill your time with? Whatever. Okay. Um, I am a wife of 12 years to my husband, Seth. We have two children, almost three, actually. I'm 38 weeks pregnant, so uh, we have a little girl and a little boy and one more on the way. 
Uh, I am a lifelong horseman. I've been involved in the equine industry since I was a small child, pretty much agricultural industry, but then that turned into strictly horses for me. Um, so that's a big part of my life and my family's life. And then one other hobby we love and I love personally is hiking. So lots of horses, lots of hiking and kids. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Okay. I didn't know that you were pregnant. So congratulations. Thank you. 38 weeks. So you're right there at the end. (laughs) Any day. How are you feeling? (laughs) I feel really good. Yes. I've been very lucky and blessed that this has been pretty easy. So you've done all the nesting things or like, are you in that phase still right now? I'm mostly through it, but it's kind of never ending with two others around the house. So you know, we got to keep every time I see something, I'm like, oh, we got to do this now. We got to do this now. <laughs> right. Right. And I know, um, I'm, I'm just fascinated about the horses. I, and I want to talk more about that in, in a little bit, but, um, you do have a business, right? You guys, you train horses. That's what yes. you do. Cause you have a, your job outside of homemaking is, is running your business. Yes. So, um, we have, we have our business here. We live on land with our barn and our horses and we run an equine facility. So we train horses and we train people. So we give riding lessons. We train horses. We show horses. Uh, My husband and I are both working to become licensed judges for competitions. Um, And it's something we've both been involved in our whole lives. So it's trying to bring our kids up in that as well. Oh, that's cool. Did, Did you guys meet through horses or how did you meet your husband? Through horses. Yes. We actually both rode, uh, we took riding lessons at the same stable when we were kids. So that's how we met. And then kind of met again as teenagers and that's that. So here we are now. (laughs) Oh, that's so cool. Okay. So when, let's go back to the beginning. Okay. You've met, you met your husband as in childhood. So then when did you first become a homemaker? And then when you did, did you have skills, any skills? So I found that question really interesting because if you had asked me before I listened to your podcast and had time to think about these things for a couple of years, I would have said a few years ago, but it wasn't. Um, I I homeschooled the last part of my, my schooling journey, so as a high schooler, because I was showing horses and you can't be gone all the time showing horses and be in a public school. So I was homeschooling, which then allowed me to move out and work some jobs pretty early. And each of those places, the ranches or farms I was working at out of state, I had accommodations, usually very nice, small accommodations. And I loved making those places my own. Like that was, I I love to decorate. I love the rhythms. I love to keep everything in order. So I kind of got a little glimpse at that time. And then I got married at 21 and uh, it started then. It's gone through many stages, you know, changes. When I was first married, my husband and I were both working a lot outside the home and on our business. So we shared a lot of duties inside the home. Um, And then it just kind of evolved as, as we go forward. I was taking over more. Children were born. I took over more and, you know, it just continued. And now I homeschool the kids and I'm home full time with them. So it's more of my, 
my domain at this point, but it started, it started about 12 years ago. I love that you you recognized that that time that you spent in your little spaces, you were actually making a home. How long were you in those places where you would stay? Was it just a So each space would be six to 12 months usually. Um, but there were several different spaces and it was, it was really fun because they were all different, but they were all mine for the time. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. So, um, were you able to hone any particular skills? Like, did you feel equipped in the area of homemaking when you, when you started keeping a home, um, with your husband, when you got married? Yes and no. I had a lot of areas to grow. Uh, nothing seemed new, just the general, you know, the day-to-day tasks. None of that seemed new because I had done that for myself a lot. But I think what I brought to the table most for myself was management skills. I had had to manage my time and my business before. And so that has really helped with the practical side of homemaking. Just bringing in management. Def- yeah, definitely. That's a that's a big plus. Well, okay, let's talk about what you were lacking in. What's something that you had a real steep learning curve for? Cooking, for sure. Mm. Uh, I've never enjoyed cooking. Or it's it's less about the cooking and more about the preparing and, and having to figure out what we're going to eat and, you know, making sure everything is healthy and balanced and on time with food. But I've been working at it. So cooking has been the steepest learning curve. I didn't like it, of course, so I didn't do it on my own. So I didn't have many skills with it. But we're getting there. You're getting there. I I always admire when I hear people say, you know, they just love to cook for everyone. And I think that is wonderful. I don't know how to find that, but maybe one day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I I enjoy the cooking and the I enjoy the um I think what it is that I love about cooking especially for larger groups of people is the result and seeing this them satisfied with what they've been given and loving it and you know, I love feeding people, I guess, is maybe more, but I do enjoy the cooking part, but I I'm with you and I really like this distinction you made between the prepping and deciding because it's like mentally taxing mm-hmm. often to figure out what, okay, uh, now it's like Monday is here again. Or for me, it's Sunday nights. I, I make my grocery list and then I put in my order to go pick up the next on Monday morning. And it's like, it's already Sunday again. And oh my gosh, I got to come up with, you know, seven dinners and some breakfasts and some lunches and ah, it just hurts my brain sometimes. And I don't love that aspect of it as much as the actual cooking. Maybe that's why those um, mail order uh, cooking things are so popular because it takes that brain work out and they just deliver all the ingredients to you. And then you can actually do the cooking part, which is the fun part. Yes, I I agree because the cooking, once I get to it, I think, well, this isn't bad, but you know, you have so many other things to manage and that's just my weak spot. And I'm, I'm still working on trying to get in. If I would meal prep, it would probably be easier, but the meal prepping alone is, it's its own thing. So. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, that's good that you're fine. You recognize your weakness and you're working towards uh, improving. That's, that's our goal, right? Um, 
Okay, let's talk about influences. Who has had the most influence, would you say, or just who has had a big influence on your homemaking? Yeah, so that would be one of my aunts, actually. My Aunt Diana, uh, she's actually passed away when I was a teenager, but she had the biggest influence, and I didn't realize that until having this conversation with my husband. It's funny, a lot of these things, you, when you ask these questions and speak with somebody who's close to you, the answers that come up can kind of surprise me. But uh, my aunt was a huge influence. She she stayed at home, ran the family business, um, and watched kids during the summer. So me and my cousins would stay with her. But she also, I just, one of the things I remember the most was she would, you know, we had lunch ready for the guys that were working on the farm every day. So they would be out working, the kids would be inside playing, and then lunch would be ready. And it was just there all the time at the same time. And I loved helping with that. I, not the cooking part, but getting everything out and the cleaning up and and just seeing that happen every day and seeing everyone come in. You know, they had been out working hard. They would get to come in and sit down and eat, and then they went back outside. And I just loved that. That and, you know, she took care of the house and the kids just kind of, she took care of us. Also, we kind of just ran wild and she kept us alive. <laughs> <laughs> but she had a big influence. And then, <laughs> and then my, my second thing was actually some podcasts, this one and one other one. But I, the more I listened to them, the more I thought, I really, this, this means a lot more to me than I ever, than I ever gave weight to. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. That turned into some long conversations with my husband, and and he encouraged me. He kind of said, well, this is what you've been saying for years and doing, so you need to just go for it. So, Oh, that's, that's great. That's how I ended up here, but I love it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's really good. I love your story about your aunt, and it reminds me, um, my, grand, my great-grandmother, um, they ran a farm. And my grandmother fondly remembers the same thing, you know, getting, they would get up early and start the cooking early in the morning. They'd go out to do the gardening, weed the garden, all that stuff, and then come in. And I forgot how many people they were feeding. Um, It was a lot every single day for lunch. She said, I just remember, you know, these huge pots, stirring these huge pots of food. So um, that's really cool that you got to experience that because that's kind of uncommon for you to have that experience in w- with this generation, you know, um, there's just not as many people who would have that experience anymore. Um, and then the podcast, thank you. Thank you for listening. And I'm curious, what's the other podcast that was impactful? Um, so the first podcast I listened to was Femina. Oh, uh, Nancy Wilson. And it's just short clips. Yes. Short clips of encouragement. And uh, that's, that got me on, you know, this search and has been a, a big encouragement in my homemaking journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. Those are really helpful because they're so short too, which is nice. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Well, let's talk about expectations. What are some things that surprised you about homemaking? Good or bad? Just something that you did not expect. So the biggest thing is actually outside of the home but it it does have to do with homemaking. I I don't think I was too surprised by any of the practical things. I already knew what I didn't like and what I did like. 
um, you know, you're always growing. I'm always trying to find more efficient ways to do things. But the biggest surprise has been people's responses to me when they find out I'm primarily homemaking and no longer primarily running a full-time business. And thankfully it doesn't discourage me anymore, but it it's almost it's almost funny because it's it's like they're like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> almost like there's something like, are you, are you doing this on purpose? Oh, well, of course I am. But, uh, that has been kind of a shocker because I don't expect it. I'm like, oh, cause in my world, I'm doing exactly what I want. I'm loving it. My husband supports it. And since it's not as common now, it just, you get a whole variety of fun responses. So that's been a surprise. Yeah. Um, we've, we talk about that. We've talked about that in, in, in our resources and on the show. I think it depends on where you live. Um, what, what, well, if you're in the States, it depends on like what coast you're on, um, which part of the country you're in and then whether you're in an urban area or what your circles are, but even country to country, it depends on what kind of response you get. You may get that. I love that you said, it's like, they feel sorry for you. Like, Oh, so sorry. It's like you told them you were unemployed or something or, you know, your dog died. Right. Exactly. (laughs) But um, I think uh, there's a lot of people who actually get hostile reactions um, when they, when they explain that that's their choice is to do this job uh, full time and that's their calling. And um, in certain countries, it's actually very frowned upon. Like you are a dredge on society. You know, you're, you are a leech. You're sucking all the uh, benefits out of society and you're giving nothing back. And, um, that's pretty common in certain countries. So I feel grateful that we have the freedom that we do in this country without that sort of social stigma to that extreme, but we, there is a social stigma definitely. Um, but I find the older that I'm getting, uh, the less I care (laughs) and I just say it, you know, I just say it. Yes, I am a homemaker. I have, that has been my career, my whole adult life. And I'm proud of that. Well, I love that. And that's something I'm working toward. Um, about half the time, that's what comes out. And then about half the time, I feel I need to also let them know what else I do. You know, I am a homemaker and that's true. But then I, I feel this urge to well, I also homeschool my kids and I also run our business, which those are true, but it's, it's funny how it's almost a built-in defense, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to get away from that because homemaking is, is its own career, but, but you feel the need sometimes to just say, well, I also do this and I also do this and I also do this so that it's enough. Exactly. Yes. I totally agree with that. It is a is a temptation to re, to have to resist. Um, so, is there an expectation that you just had to let go of, put put in the ground and bury <laughs> for the well being of your family and your marriage and all of that? And it could be something deep, but it also could be something like you know, dirty socks on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> yes, a little bit, but it's. It's, it's funny because it's also outside of the house. It's an expectation on me. Uh, I had to, and I'm still working on it. Everything I answer, I'm probably still working on. But I had to really 
let go of the expectation of being able to run our business the same I did before I had two, almost three kids and two of them schooling. But I had a very hard time feeling like I was doing well enough for the family because the the business has a, a tangible financial, you know, aspect to it. So I did that when the kids were young, we had, I had a nanny three days a week who would help while I worked full time. I was at home, but I was working at the barn. And then my husband has transitioned to taking over that because now I'm schooling the kids as well. So I've been working pretty hard the past couple of years to try and let that go. I cannot be at the barn working for five, six, 10 hours a day, depending, and also doing the family any good. Otherwise, you know, I can bring in money, but I can't raise the children. I can't homeschool them. So that's been a hard one to let go, but I am, I think I'm pretty close to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I imagine that that would have been really challenging. Um, cause it's right there too. The proximity would probably also make it challenging. Mm-hmm. It's not like you have to get in your car and drive to an office. You could just walk across the property. Exactly. I can step out the door and work and feel like I'm doing the same thing I was before. But, Mm -hmm. and I did that for a time. There was a time that I did that and then realized I would come in and the house would still be, you know, the laundry didn't do itself and the kids didn't school themselves. So you, you see that at night when you come in, you see unfinished items that were yours to do. And I, I thought, okay, that makes you really think a lot, but we've got a much better routine now. So good, good. What would you say is the one thing that you changed um, or the one thing that you did that's helped you get to that better routine? What's maybe something practical that you implemented? So far as stepping away from the barn, um, uh, honestly, a lot of prayer on that one. I, I really just had to have a lot of faith that this was the right decision and that I could leave that and I don't leave it, but I could leave that, you know, that full-time job behind. Yeah. That's always good to start with prayer. Well, I want to shift a little bit, a little bit into parenting. Um, Cause I wanted to ask you about your experience with horses and how does horse training relate to parenting? <laughs> Are there similarities? I would think that there would be. Yes. <laughs> uh, funny enough, it I think they're they're very similar, especially so. Horses are are you know prey animals. They're flight animals, which reminds me a lot of I I very much like to study on my own time childhood development and and brain development, and it seems like they're very similar. They need a lot of comfort. They need a lot of structure. They need a lot of help essentially, and they need leadership. So uh, my, my children are, I would say, raised much like my horses are trained and it has worked out really well, (laughs) but there's so many similarities. They need, they need consistency. They need understanding, but they also need firm boundaries. So it's, it's fun to add in the boundaries, you know, the horses need it because they're 1200 pounds and have a very small brain and are only interested in survival. The kids need it for obvious reasons, but then they also need so much encouragement and so much 
care, you know, so you have to have to have a good mix. But yeah, child rearing is much like horse training. <laughs> yeah, I read I just did a very cursory because I don't I don't have any knowledge about horses or horse horse training. Um, but the basic I read an article about training basics and it was like train one quote that I thought was really really applicable here was training is a long game, often taking six or more years to train from start to finish, but you never really finish with a horse. And, you know, obviously we train our children for more than six years, but that it's, you're in there for the long game. It's not like we're going to one and we're going to deal with this behavior and be one and done. It's like, no, it's a long haul. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's a good thing. Um, with the horses, it is. It is a long game. You can train them lifelong, just like people. But even to get the good, solid foundation, it takes years to get it properly. And and when you look at it with kids, it is shorter with horses. But when when you look at it in relation to their mental development, it's about the same time span. So they start off as babies where you don't really do much training because they're babies. You just keep them alive. And then you you start adding in age-appropriate tools as they grow. But it does seem, even when they're grown, you're still reminding. The, the reminders get more gentle because they can take care of themselves more. But it is definitely a long game. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. We could probably talk for a long time about this. Uh, but I would love... Oh, yes. <laughs> I would love to know, um, how did the addition of your children challenge and enrich your homemaking? So I kind of get the feeling, you know, from what you were saying before, that it was when the kids came, that's when you decided, okay, I can't do all of it. So I got to, I got to let some things go here. But what other, what are some other things that have challenged and enriched your homemaking with kids? Um, They have been, uh, they enrich everything, really. It's so fun. They, I love taking them out. One, I guess one thing w- that would be an enrichment for me, too, is that when I'm taking them out alongside me with our outside chores or with, with our inside chores, it's just reminding me to do do the best job, do it correctly, do it with, with a grateful heart, and and really just take the time. You know, I'm, I like to get so much done, which in- encourages me to rush a lot, but they've helped me slow down and really enjoy each part of whether it's the menial tasks or or the more fun things. Like when I get to take them out and we get to check on the watermelon or water the horses together or learn about the tractor or something like that. In um, so far as challenges, this one, when my husband listens, he's going to really laugh because I'm going to say they were very easy. They just, they were just born and they just, just fit right in. Everything went smooth. <laughs> I, I'm assuming I was far too sleep deprived to remember <laughs> just how challenging it was. Yeah. My daughter, which was my firstborn, was a terrible sleeper, terrible sleeper. Um, and to the point that I was just, delirious and and he helped a ton and my mother helped a ton so we had all three of us but man she was she just never slept and then when she was 16 months old my son was born and she still wasn't sleeping well 
So, I, you know, I might be a little delirious at that point. I think they just came right in and everything was great, but I'm sure he'll get a chuckle from that. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I've, I've said this before, I think in God's mercy, um, he removes a lot of that. It's like we only remit, we have such selective memory when it comes to the like childbirth, the actual birth and our, or those early years, those early, even early months. Otherwise we would never have another child. <laughs> like if we remembered every detail. <laughs> yes, we would have one. <laughs> like, no, yes, I'm good absolutely. with that. Thank you. I don't want to do that again. You know, just everything from the pain, the physical pain of childbirth to the sleeplessness and all of that. I think in his mercy, he allows us to sort of just highlight in our minds the good stuff um, so that we want to do it again. <laughs> yeah. Well, and with that being said, I'm really interested to see how different my takeaway is in a few years of newborns in my 20s and newborn in my 30s. I've heard they can be look a little different, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. So is there going to be a big age gap? I, I don't remember what you said, the ages of your kids, but between your first two and this uh, one? So my daughter, yeah, kind of. Uh, my daughter is eight and my son is six. He'll be turning seven right after the baby's born. So it feels like a big gap to me because we're, we're so far past everything baby. Um, so this is, I don't know. I feel I feel like I'm just starting over, and I'll figure it all out again. Yeah. <laughs> well, how do you um, encourage your kids to participate in the homemaking with you? And I wanted to know: Do they participate in the business? Do they ride? Are they involved with horses? I imagine they are. Yes. Uh, they the poor kids. They have to do everything. No, <laughs> they do everything alongside me. I should say. I try to encourage them um, a lot with routine because that is something I struggled with as personally until I got my own space. And and I think for them, I see in my daughter, she she's a lot like my husband. She likes things very regimented and very streamlined. Uh, me and my son are a little more carefree. But I see that routine works so much better for our family. So I really try to encourage them with just little tasks like they, you know, after breakfast and after lunch, they wash each of their dishes. They know to wash it and dry it and put it away. And they each have a chore, you know, just simple things. My son takes out the trash. My daughter helps empty trash cans before that happens. But then they do also have outside stuff and they really enjoy that. So one of them will be in charge of filling water tanks. One of them will be in charge of helping carry hay to animals. And then, yes, they do. They also ride. My daughter particularly loves to ride. My son enjoys it as well. He's he's the less competitive one. So he just wants to have fun and be around the horses. And my daughter wants to, she wants to get into showing and she wants to be very serious about it. So we we try to encourage all of that. I like him to help in the house and the big thing in, with the housework is I'm trying to make it to where it doesn't feel like such big chores to them. This is just a daily thing we do. We get up, we wash our plate, you know, and it doesn't turn into a, oh, and now I have to do all of these things. So just trying to bring them, thankfully, since I homeschool, they are around all day. And 
just bring them along beside when we, in the summer, it's really busy and we have to, when we're cutting hay. So they might be out in the tractor with their dad until late helping with that. Or they might be inside with me, you know, trying to get extra stuff ready so that when he comes in, the house is in better order and he can finally relax. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love what you're saying about kind of back to your, your previous point um, about enriching your homemaking. You're saying you bring them, you, you teach them and train them by just routinely bringing them along. And these are just, this is, this is family living essentially is, is not just playing together and living under the same roof, but working together uh, to keep the home. And I love though, that you said bringing them along, it helps you to slow down. Otherwise you'd just be in such a hurry to get to the next thing. And that can be really frustrating for homemakers when we have little ones underfoot and they always want to help. They, mommy, can I help you? Can I help? Can I help? And it's like, oh, this is going to take so much longer. But there's a great benefit in that actually for us. Like slow down and because I often ask the question at the end and I'll ask you too, you know, where do you find beauty or how do you find beauty in those mundane things? And part of being able to see the beauty is slowing down and doing the tasks a little bit more intentionally and slowly. And so I love that you linked that with doing it with your kids. I think that's a really great observation. Well, I have them to thank for that. It took me, it took me some time when they were really little, especially being so close in age, I was guilty of, you know, no, here's some toys you play while I do this. Um, but thankfully I, I did find a place where I thought, no, they need to be involved. And then the flip side of that is I'm very fortunate. My mother lives right next door on our, it's her property and the kids can walk to her house. They have to cross a pasture and a Creek and that's it. They don't have to go out on a road. So when I do have tasks that I just think I, well, they go there all the time. They just kind of go when they want. But when I have a task that I've decided this would really be easier with just me today and I just have to get it done, they can go play at Graham's house. And I'm so grateful for that, for for them and their childhood, but also just for the practical side of I can get some stuff done really quick and then try to slow down again and enjoy time with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's such a blessing. And that speaks to um, one of our pillars, which is community. And, you know, you're very fortunate that that community is your mom and she's right next door. Um, but yeah, all of us can can muster the troops and bring in some reinforcements when we need it. So we just need to be creative sometimes if we don't have family right down the street. Well, let's talk about priorities a little bit. What is or what are some practical steps that you take to keep your priorities in order and make sure that you make time for, for the most important thing and, you know, time with God, time to nurture your marriage and all of those things. What do you do sort of on a regular basis to keep that in the right order? That's, that's probably my biggest area of growth needed still. Um, And it's more just because I need to have better scheduling with it because I'm transitioning out of needing to work so much outside the house in my own mind, not actually needing to, and, and working so much 
in the house with the kids. But what's been a big help is I, I really like, and this is just a practical step, but I really like planners. I really like nice pens and markers. So I sat down for a couple of weekends and I gathered all my supplies I needed and I made schedules. And I really just try to stick to, we do, we start school after breakfast in the morning and, you know, just these little things. And so far as the two most important things to me overall, I guess, I I try to find some time each day for Bible time. Unfortunately, I do not have a very scheduled time for that yet, but it happens sometime during the day, usually when the kids are playing off by themselves. And keeping open communication with my husband, that's been a big one. He's traveling now for work, which is new for us. He didn't used to travel. Um, and he's he works a lot, which is wonderful. But just having to keep a lot of communication with him, whether we call and just chat about, you know, what whatever we need to get, whatever we need to get out there. But those trying to get everything in order, it is kind of like herding cats around here. It's a bit chaotic. <laughs> but I do try to not let Bible time, the children getting their education and time with me, and then communication with my husband, which is the biggest biggest one that I, that and the Bible, like uh, even if it's 10 minutes, just trying to make sure that we get to it at some point, whenever it happens. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, does media play a role in your life? Um, and if so, how, how do you maintain healthy boundaries there? Um, and then and with yourself and then also with your kids, what's your approach with your kids? Yeah, so we have very little in the way of social media, and we just have a Facebook uh, for our business, so I'm on that. So far as my personal Facebook, I actually set screen time limits because I didn't want to get sucked in scrolling and scrolling, because that's an easy one to fall into. But I'm not I'm not a big media person person or a big fan of it myself. So it's been kind of easy uh, on that front. That's been an easy thing to tackle. The kids don't have any, any personal electronic devices and probably won't for a very long time. And then even so far as the TV, we do watch movies. We do watch Netflix sometimes. We, you know, it's, it's not daily. It's just whenever it fits in, but living in a rural area, we have very limited internet options. So it's kind of nice because even, even Netflix, I can only stream so much and then it's my internet's out and we're back to just popping in some old DVDs. Uh, but we like to, we have a lot of the DVDs that my husband and I grew up watching like the Looney Tunes or, you know, just, just, just older cartoons. And I keep those on hand. The kids think they're great. So we just try not to allow much, much in the way of social media into the house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you're the second person uh, this month to tell me that they put in front of their kids um, stuff that they grew up watching because it just seems to be a little, you know, more gentle and just a little less as far as it's just fun. It's not, they're not trying to push an agenda or a message. It's just fun. Like Looney Tunes are just goofy. They're just goofy and they're funny and that's it. That's all they're doing. <laughs> so 
So that's a really great idea. And I thought that was, that was a really fabulous idea. And then, yeah, I totally hear you about having limited um, internet access. It's actually a blessing. It's like when we go on vacation and we're out somewhere, you know, cause we live in, in a urban area. So that's not ever a problem. But um, when we do go away and we can't get any, any internet, it's, it's maddening at first and you, you like have to go through some withdrawals and then you're like, actually, this is pretty great. <laughs> yes. It, I understand that. And the kids uh, with their school, they are online a few days a week doing lessons on the computer. So sometimes it is a little aggravating if we have run out of our high speed internet, which is very limited, but then it's like, well, you can just get creative. You'll get more next month. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it also keeps me from having to be tempted with, because I do, I love to watch movies. I, I do. I don't get time to, but if I did, I would, I would indulge probably too much. So I'm like, this is kind of just a natural filter I have because of my environment and it works out really well. That's good. Well, let's talk about some other temptations and challenges besides tempted to binge watch movies. Um, <laughs> what's something that you struggle with, um, regarding your homemaking, your homemaker role. And I, I you, we, we might've already kind of answered this, but I'm just always curious to see what people say. So I'm going to give you the three options and you tell me which one do you most often identify with. So a is comparison to other women. B, I am just a homemaker. I'm not getting paid. It's not a real job or C superwoman doing all the things. Well, I'm sure you can guess my primary one, but uh, it was both B and C for a long time. And B, finally, the, the uh, you know, it's not a real job, not getting paid. That finally kind of fell away. And I'm, I'm very thankful it did because that's a stressful one. Uh, that kind of fell away when both of the kids started in school. And I was, I, I work very long hours and I was thinking, getting paid or not, this is a lot of work, you know, inside the home, outside the home. So I will still say though, I struggle with needing to do all the things all the time. So that's definitely, it's definitely C. Yeah. So let's talk about a special challenge you mentioned in your application that um, your son was diagnosed with type one diabetes. Was that correct? Yes. Type one diabetes. So I would, I would love to know, a couple of things about that, you know, was it a long journey to get a diagnosis? How, how did you figure that out? And then like, were you overwhelmed with what that meant and what kind of changes did that mean for your family? It, uh, so we do have, um, some other type ones in the family. So it was not a long journey to get the diagnosis, uh, thankfully, because I know that can be a whole beast in itself for a lot of families. But I noticed some symptoms and because we have some diabetics in our family, I have a, a little glucose monitor that I keep at home, just a little one that sticks your finger. And I checked him that night because his symptoms, I was thinking, this is not, this is not adding up. At first it was, well, he's just a kid. He's just thirsty. It's summertime, you know, but it started not quite adding up. So I checked him and sure enough, it was, he was, he had very, very high sugar at that time. So we went straight to the emergency room, 
we were thankful. I guess the silver lining is we saw the signs before he became really sick or went into a DKA and we were able to go to the hospital and they diagnosed him pretty much right away. They did the blood draw and, and that was that. And that was at about 11 PM and at 7 AM the next morning we were in the endocrinologist's office and it was, I mean, it was a whirlwind. It was, it felt like everything got flipped upside down in overnight. So that was a struggle for me mentally, uh, him physically, of course, but then I had so much guilt and I don't know why, because it's not something I caused or, or could have even prevented, but because I'm his mom, you know, so I had a lot of guilt. I struggled a lot for a few weeks, but thankfully, thankfully the reality was just, you just have to just have to do each thing and and keep moving forward and try to just be thankful that there, there is medicine. So even though it is, uh, it's a difficult daily management, but there, but there is a way to keep him alive and healthy. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So were you feeling guilty just because you felt like you should have caught it sooner or you don't really know? You know, no. And actually, thankfully I caught it soon enough that that we didn't have any additional complications, which can easily happen. I, I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know. I think that was just something. I don't know where it was coming from. I just felt guilty and I felt like I, I needed to be able to change it, which of course I cannot, but I was thankful. There was a lot of little bit of a a faith struggle that jumped in there for about a week. And and I knew, you know, you hear all the time when when big things happen that that people go through that. And I had never experienced it until that night when he got diagnosed. That was a it hit me. But we all came out on the other side. And and thankfully, we have, you know, since my mother lives right next door, uh, you know, it's great because she knows how to manage it. And we were already homeschooling. So that's another silver lining. I didn't have to have the added stress of him going back into school, which many kids do and can, but just, it's so stressful for the parent because you have to deal with training the nurse and training the teachers. And it's just scary. So many things can change with it day to day that there's a lot of fear behind it, but we're, we're definitely getting at this point, we're a little over a year in. And at this point, it's just part of daily life now. So I'm thankful we've reached this point where where I don't feel the guilt and I don't feel, I just, I hate it for him, but we just go on like normal and we manage it and try to make the best of everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not, there's nothing like a health crisis for anybody in your family, but especially one of your kids to bring in all of those feelings yes. and make you feel like, what could I have done differently? Or, you know, then you start asking why and and then the fear. And so I, yes. I totally understand that that is, it can very often be like a dark night of the soul. So it sounds like God has really brought you to a place of peace um, with regard to this and just trusting. Yes. Him. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that because it, it was, it was a little bit of a dark time for me. 
when it first happened, but but we are definitely on the other side of that, or I should say I, I don't know that my, I can't speak for my husband if he struggled with that, but I did. And I'm thankfully very much on the other side of it now. Yeah. Yeah. What are some um, practical things that you've had to do just for his diet? And, you know, is that, do you cook specially just for him or do you just kind of cook that way for everybody? So I cook that way for everybody. I wanted it to be a whole family change. And it's it's kind of like, well, this is how things go, isn't it? Because with the cooking we, that we talked about earlier, I had finally gotten into this little routine where I was like, this isn't so bad. <laughs> and then we had the diagnosis <laughs> and everything. It was like I was starting over from scratch. Mm-hmm. He, uh, we, we primarily just try to eat very low carb. Um, and again, I, I trying to count my blessings there. We raise, we raise our own beef. So we have meat available. We have chicken, so we have eggs available. So we have a lot of blessings in that way, but, but it was just like, oh man, do we have to do this over again? This struggle with food. Uh, so I tried <laughs> to just change it for the whole family. I feel like we're all better off for it. We're all healthier. We all feel better. So that's great. Um, and then with him, it's just, you know, there's just so many things that go along with us everywhere when we're out, like say, if we go out on a trail ride, he's got his little, his little fanny pack with his monitor that keeps track of his sugar, which I'm very thankful for because I can see it 24 hours a day. Um, but then he's also got to have his juice pouches in case he goes low and his insulin pen in case he goes high, but we just, we just pack it along with us and it's just part of him now. Mm-hmm. How how has he adapted? He's been amazing. I don't these kids are awesome. I think it was much harder on me, at least in the beginning. I don't know how to look for him later on, but he he was scared of his very first shot, his very first injection, and that was at the doctor's office and everything since then, he's just like well, you know, he just goes along with it. And he gives, he's, he's awesome. He's six years old right now. He gives all of his own injections with my supervision, of course, but he does the, the actual injection himself. He checks his sugar. Um, it's been great for math lessons because he has to calculate insulin several times a day. Oh yeah. (laughs) But yeah. So he has to, he had to learn to divide very early, (laughs) multiply, but, uh, he has been awesome. And his sister is a big support. She really tries to hype him up and tell him how great he is, you know, keep him positive about it. Cause it is hard sometimes when we're at birthday parties, I do. I mean, he still gets to partake, but even though you're getting to partake, you're having to take extra insulin and then you have to stop playing for a while. And then, you know, so I see it sometimes, but he's been great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, we, we don't have the the life-threatening situation of a type one diabetic, we have the two celiac kids. I mean, they're not kids anymore, but <laughs> they were my my son. So my daughter was diagnosed at almost 18. Um, so she had to navigate that through the through college, which was a no picnic. Uh, but then my son, the youngest, so the oldest and the youngest have it. And he was diagnosed um, in the fifth grade. And, um, with the whole eating food, different thing that I think that was the hardest part for him because it's not, 
you know, you want to do what all the other kids at the party are doing or whatever. And so I always tried to do whatever I could to, even if it meant making him his own cupcake and bringing that. Um, But I found the hardest part with mine was they didn't, I had to train them to be advocates for themselves. So be willing to speak up for yourself in the restaurant and say, hey, could you ask the chef and find out if this has any regular flour in the sauce or, you know, and they just didn't want to do that because they don't want to be that person. They don't want to be the one that's like, is this gluten-free, you know? (laughs) Yes. So I think, I think they're, they're, they've gotten better about that. I hope. I mean, it's in their hands and and God's hands now because they're adults and, and out of the house, but that was hard. It was hard as a mom to sit back and watch them go through that process and, and, um, and let them kind of make the hard mistakes and get glutened and feel really bad for a week or so and then have to learn from that. So I hear where you're coming from. That might be one area that him, that my son being diagnosed young has been a blessing. He's too young to be self-conscious about any of it. So he's very, very clear if a friend, uh, we were at the state fair last year showing horses and he was off playing with a group of other kids about his age. One of them handed him a cookie and he just says, I'll take it to my mom. I'm diabetic. Mm. And Aww. I was so proud of him. I thought it's yeah. sad, but it's, I was so proud of him. I, you know, I, I let him, he got the cookie. He just ate it later with a meal and he got the insulin. But I, with what you're saying about your kids um, initially not wanting to advocate for themselves, I'm sure that's, that's probably an age and a, you know, feeling self-conscious maybe. Um, but mine is too little, so he doesn't care. He just tells everybody like it is. <laughs> that's great. That's, that is a good, that's a good positive side of it. Well, let's talk about hospitality for a little bit. I would love to know um, some practical ways that you show hospitality through homemaking. So my favorite one is every week for the past, oh, we're on about two years now. Every Wednesday, I host a family dinner. I, don't ask me what made me want to do that because of the food. But <laughs> uh, I host a family dinner at the house and it's it's every Wednesday there is food and I invite, you know, family members and friends. It's it grew. It's not family dinner anymore. It's Wednesday dinner, basically. Um, but I, I make sure that there is food here for everyone to eat and everyone is invited. And I love it. Wednesdays, you know, Wednesday nights, I don't always love trying to come up with what they're going to eat, but sometimes it's simple. Sometimes we're busy and I go pick up pizza and sometimes I make them a big meal and a dessert. It just depends on the day. But I've really tried to to never skip Due to my lack of food prep, I just make sure there is food and a place to sit and relax and there's coffee on and and I love that. I love having everybody come in and they just hang out and be themselves and eat and stay as long as they want. So that was that's that's my favorite thing that we do. That sounds amazing. I love that. And you know, anybody could do that. It doesn't have to be family dinner. You could just invite neighbors or whoever. Um, yeah, I've read several, uh, several people that I follow either on Instagram or I follow their p- 
podcast or whatever, they, they do something like that. And I just think that's such a good practical way, especially in the middle of the week like that. What a blessing because Wednesday is not called hump day for no reason. I mean, it's like, oh my gosh, right? just right. let's get over that. It's because once you get over Wednesday, you're coasting into the weekend. So um, to have somebody, actually, we had friends, we were at friend's house last night um, and they, they had invited us over for dinner and I spent the whole Wednesday just getting so many little things done around the house. And I got to work on my project right up until like four o'clock, which was awesome because normally I'd have to stop earlier and figure out dinner, but I didn't have to think about it because she was cooking. So that was so great. So that, that's a blessing for your guests. Yeah. That's a blessing for them. Okay. I'm toying around with a new question in this segment. Um, cause so many people have kind of struggled with the community question. So I thought I'd ask, I like to ask questions that are, uh, topical and sort of theoretical, but I also like to ask practical questions. So it, when you've been a guest at someone's home, so when you've been on the receiving end of hospitality, whether for a night or for a weekend or a month, what's something memorable? What is something that kind of has always stood out to you as a guest that you were on the receiving end of? Oh, that's a good question. You can think about it for a minute because you weren't expecting this question. <laughs> okay. I wasn't. No, that's okay though. I, I've i been a guest quite often traveling with horse shows or, or, uh, or whatever it is we may be doing. And I don't know. I don't know if this is the right kind of answer, but I will say what I appreciate and rem- and remember the most, you know, everyone has these great little things. A lot of people leave you little snacks or ask you what your food preference is and all of that. And those are wonderful. But what I, I think what I appreciate the most is, or remember the most, I should say, not, not appreciate, is when it just feels relaxed. Like you're just welcome to be there and you're just a part of their day. You're not you're not something they have to to change up their whole schedule for their whole life for because for even for the day because that always just makes me feel like oh it's a little uncomfortable so i love just being welcome into the home and just being kind of part of it mhm mhm that's a great answer good thank you okay great <laughs> <laughs> thank you for being my guinea pig all right we're going to do some rapid fire questions um Tell me a story if you would like, or just give me a one, one word answer. What is your biggest homemaking fail so far? <laughs> well, I was watching, I don't know if it was a reel or whatever on Facebook a while back. And it was talking about how people brown their hamburger meat of all things. It was very funny. And so it was like, don't you know, just leave it to brown for a little bit. Thought, okay, well, that would be easier for me if I wasn't sitting there hovering over it. So I, I do that. So I'm like, well, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go get some stuff done and I'm going to leave this hamburger meat to brown. Mm, uh oh. And then a client pulled in. Yeah. Yeah. This, there's a reason I like to stand over the stove. We had a client pull in. So of course I have to go help them out and and this client is also a good friend of mine. So of course we're chatting and my husband is gone at the time and it's been about an hour goes by. Oh, and no. 
I start to walk to the house just thinking, okay, I, I still don't remember this. I almost burned our house down with hamburger meat. That's the, oh, that's the gist gosh. of it. My poor husband gets home. <laughs> he drives in the driveway and he sees smoke coming out of the eaves of our house, all around our house. And I'm still oblivious because I'm still out at the barn. <laughs> So I come up about the time I see him pull in, I think I better go up to the house and I start walking up and we both think the house is on fire. I thankfully know my children are not in it. He does not. So I have to, you know, I'm like, oh, the kids are not there. The kids are fine. It was just this hamburger meat and it did a lot of smoke damage that I spent several weeks cleaning. Wow. Uh, (laughs) It was bad. It, we were we were lucky because actually nothing caught on fire. It was just the meat in the skillet. Was the meat on fire and in the skillet? It was. Oh, my and it was gosh. turning into like a black a black goo. And to top it off, it was my brand new skillet. It was Mother's Day oh. or the day after. I had gotten a new skillet on Mother's Day. I picked one out that I loved. I was cooking with it the next night. And I ruined it and almost burned the house down. Oh, no. So that was, a, I mean, I had a great, I had an answer for that one. I saw that and I was like, oh, I have something for this. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a, that's so, probably in the, no, in the top five. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. It didn't burn the house down though. Uh, and you know what? I got, I got to declutter a lot <laughs> and the house got really clean. Wow. Oh my goodness. Okay. So don't walk away from the stove. Yeah. Just, just brown your hamburger meat, however you like to do it. You do not have to try a new way. It's just hamburger meat. (laughs) Okay. Let's talk about a recent homemaking win. Probably thanks to the baby. I have recently, I think very successfully decluttered my house from the top down and organized, including my garage. And it has taken so much stress away from me and actually my kids too, because I did their rooms as well. So that's definitely, that's my biggest win. That is a good win, especially because you got to the garage too. Oh, that was a big one. I did that one last week and it felt a couple of times I just sat down and I was like, I don't want to finish this. But I did, and I'm so thankful I did. Oh, very good. Congratulations. Okay, how about a homemaking product or resource that you are loving right now? I don't have a lot of gadgets, um, but I love I love a good podcast that keeps you motivated when your kids are playing and you're trying to get through dishes. This is one of them. I have a couple others I like. And then... I really, I I know I spoke to this earlier, but I really love having a good planner and using it because it helps keep me on task so much better. And I want to, if I have, you know, if I have it written on a piece of scrap paper, I don't have any motivation to go see it and follow it. So Mm -hmm. a good planner and a good podcast can really go a long way. I agree. Yes. How about a favorite homemaking hack or tip? What I use the most, and none of these are original to me, but um, I keep these little cups, and you could do it in a Tupperware too, but these I found on sale for 50 cents, so I have some. 
um, these little paint cups that have a, a mixer ball inside. And I have one for each main room if the room has a different paint color. So my bedroom, one for my bathroom, and one for my living room and kitchen. And I just keep, it's essentially a, a sealed up cup full of paint, but it's small. It's like a solo cup sized. It has a stirrer in it. And then you can do paint touch-ups anytime. You don't have to drag out your paint supplies. You don't have to drag out. I grab a kid's paintbrush if I need to or whatever. And I grab my little paint cup that's already labeled and I know what room it's for. And then just touch up because the kids make that happen a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a good idea. Lots of paint touch-ups. Yeah. So it's but a, I love it's, having that on hand. It's something you made. It, it's something that is made for that purpose, like a little... It, or is it? Yeah, it's just. I think it's called like a, a touch up cup or something okay. like that. Um, okay. I never, I never would have got them. Like I've seen them on Amazon, mm-hmm. but I think they're too expensive. They're just a plastic cup. Uh, but I, I found. I was out shopping one day and I found some that were on sale, so I bought them. Before I had those, I just used a, a little Tupperware container, and you can just drop some marbles in it or whatever to stir up the paint, and then you. It can just stay. I like it because it's right there in the cupboard or the cabinet. And you don't have to feel like, well, I'll touch up that wall when I can get all my paint supplies right, out. Right, exactly. Just little little paintbrush, little bit of paint. And then the other thing I like to do that I, I don't know if this is how common it is, but when I make up the beds, I make the bed fully and then pull everything down toward the end and kind of fold it into about into quarters so that the sheets are exposed all day and they can air out. And I've, I found that really helps without, so I don't have musty smelling sheets later in the day, Mm -hmm. but then when you're ready to go to bed, you just pull everything up and it's, it's already done. It's not as pretty though. I will say that. Yeah. That's good. That's a good tip. Making the bed, but airing the sheets. Yep. I think there's probably two camps on whether you air the sheets or you don't air the sheets. I'm not sure where I fall. Oh, yes. I always make the I'm always <laughs> make the bed fully, like, but I try to let them air. I try to pull them all back right when we're both out of the bed for the morning. I try to pull them all back and let them air until I get to making the the bed. Maybe like after I get dressed in the morning, but um, I'm not super consistent with that. But you're right; it does make them smell better when you let them air for a while. I agree with that. Well, and we have the way our, our rooms are set up, the sun gets to be on them quite a bit, which I know for some would not be ideal because the sun can also damage them. But for me, it works out. Uh, they get to sun a little. I have a made bed. It all works out. Yeah. Good. How about your signature dish? Well, as you can guess, I don't have much of a signature dish. <laughs> I'd, before children and and being so busy... I I had some Nutella cupcakes I always made. Not really a dish, a dessert, I guess. Um, and those went everywhere. If I went somewhere, my Nutella cupcakes went with me. But now, and with all the dietary changes, it's we're just trying to eat. So yeah, I don't have one at the moment. I'm searching, looking. You're still working on that. <laughs> okay. Well, yes, I'm still working on that. Well, maybe if you still have your Nutella cupcake recipe, you can share that because that sounds amazing. (laughs) Oh, it was so good. And I'm sure I can find it somewhere. And if I do, when I do, I will send it to you. Okay. (laughs) I'll look for it when we're finished. Okay. Thanks. 
Let's talk about the art of home. How do you see homemaking as an art and where do you find beauty in the art of homemaking? I think it's, I think it's an art because it is changing so often. You have to, you have to be very adaptable. You have, you have the power to make it whatever you want it to be, but that does have to change with every season. So, um, and, and that actually comes season of life or season in the year. Like it's just ever changing, especially if you have outdoor, uh, responsibilities as well. And then so far as finding beauty, it kind of goes along with that. I just love that it is whatever you want it to be, which sometimes can be overwhelming because it's easier to just be told what to do occasionally, but, um, I can make it a space. My goal is to make my home a space for my family, friends, neighbors, which are mostly family and friends, but for anyone to come in and feel relaxed. That's the goal. I want them to be able to relax and just be here. So I love that I have that ability to do that. Yeah. Yeah. What's something about homemaking that you're thankful for? It makes me slow down because of the kids, which is wonderful. Um, and and honestly, the the biggest thing I'm thankful for with homemaking is it has put me, it has given me a better relationship with God. It has made me spend more time in the Bible, and a lot of that started as just trying to find answers, but but it's it's really deepened that relationship and helped me want to grow that more in myself. So that's a big thing I'm thankful for. I don't I don't know that that would have. I've always been a believer and I, I would have been in the Bible some, but I don't think it would have happened to that extent had I not decided that this is the direction I want to really pursue with, with this part of my life. What about the other women? Let's, let's talk to those women for a minute to end our time. Um, you're right in the middle. So I want to talk to the older women and the younger women. First, let's address the older women. How can older women come alongside women in your generation and help them? What is it that something you wish they knew about your experience? I think there's a lot of, it's something we spoke to earlier, but there's a lot of temptations now that probably weren't the case with the older generation. And, and part of it is just the lack of acceptance. Um, from our peers. We don't have a lot of acceptance from our peers in, in some cases. I, I'm sure it depends on where you live, but, um, so just providing encouragement, whether it be verbal or teaching a skill, there's, you can learn anything on YouTube, but it would be so much nicer to, to have a pair of hands and it could be any skill, but some verbal encouragement and just help teaching a skill would be, I think would be awesome. And I'm fortunate to be surrounded by people who are doing that. So Mm -hmm. that's great. That's a blessing. Well, let's talk to the younger women. What's a word of advice or encouragement or warning or all of the above 
that you would give to the younger homemakers coming behind you? Um, If they have children, trying to not forget what it's like to be the child. Things, we need structure and we need discipline and we need boundaries. But we also just need to try to see things through their lens. Sometimes I think they're so joyful and and it doesn't have to be serious all the time and the house doesn't have to be perfect and the kids do not have to have the latest gadgets to be happy. They just need a parent who really wants to be with them. That's, I think that's so easy to fall out of probably with the younger, especially the even younger than me, because there's, there's more temptations all the time and people are more busy and it just keeps piling on. So just really slow down and, and be a kid with your kids sometimes. Mm. I like that. And, and then, uh, if you want to entertain or if you want to have people, this one took me a little bit, but I, I feel like I'm there now. Um, things don't have to be perfect. Your house doesn't have to be fancy. That's another hard one because of Instagram and Pinterest. We want it to look like that before we have friends over, but it's not real life always. So you can have people over and you can feed them, you know, crackers and coffee and you're still doing a good thing. The people want to be there with you. They don't need a five course meal. Yeah. That's a good word. Well, this has been really fun. Thank you, Michelle, for being on the show and for sharing your story of home. I've enjoyed getting to know you and hearing about horses and all of the fun things going on in your home. It sounds like it'd be a really a really great place to, to grow up and, um, and to visit. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today for this In the Trenches Homemaker Portrait of Michelle Marshall. I hope you found some inspiration and some encouragement that you can apply right now in your practice of the art of home. I was so happy that Michelle brought up the point that one of the things that surprised her about homemaking was something outside of her home. And that was the way that people responded when she told them that this was her primary occupation, that she, especially that she had left a job to stay home and just be a homemaker. And we know that that phrase, just a homemaker, is a loaded phrase. And we want to be able to proudly proclaim, I am a homemaker. I stay home. I take care of my home. I take care of my family. I run a household. That is a full-time job. It is worthy. It is enough. And we don't have to put disclaimers on it. And we don't have to say, but I also do this. And I also homeschool. And I also run a small farm. And I also do this, 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 as if we have to add to it to make it a valid choice. That's something I personally struggled with all of my homemaking career. And um, I just want to encourage you that if you're struggling in this area, please know that the work of the home is good, valuable work, and it's enough. You don't have to add to it with any kind of qualifiers to make you um, a legitimate worker or a legitimate member of society. It is valuable work and it is necessary work and it is honored work, honored by the Lord. If you have found value in today's episode, you can say thanks in a couple of different ways. First of all, share with someone that you know, a homemaker who could use this kind of encouragement. Just pop into your podcast player right now and hit the little share button and send this episode to her. 
The second thing that you can do is leave us a rating and a review on your listening app of choice. And then finally, if you would like, you can leave us a tip in our virtual tip jar, buy me a coffee. Tips are given in $5 increments. You can give one, two, three, four, or as many coffees as you would like. And I appreciate that. All coffees go to help offset the cost of the production of this podcast. So thank you. Well, that's it for this episode. I will be back next week with a brand new homemaker portrait of another listener just like you. Until then, keep practicing your art of making a home.